You're listening to the Smart Nonprofit Masterclass with me, Jose Gomez, founder and CEO of nonprofitwebsites.com and NetMinistry. If you're a leader in a nonprofit organization who wants to reach more donors, volunteers, members, supporters, and the community that you're serving using the power of the internet, then I'm already waiting for you in today's episode. So let's get started. All right. Hi, everybody. Uh, we are excited about this next episode uh, of the Nonprofit Masterclass. And um, I'd like to first in, uh, introduce uh, our guest, Gene. Uh, Gene, would you like to say something about yourself? G- give us a little bit of your information uh, and background. Uh, but this is Jean Lawrence Reitmeyer. She uh, she is a, uh, a well, I'm going to let you t- let her tell you exactly what she does. Go ahead, Jean. Well, thank you very much. Uh, I am born and bred in New York State (laughs) and am a 30-year-plus veteran of nonprofits, administration, management, um, fundraising consultants, grant writer, strategic planner, kind of do it all. And I've dealt with organizations as small, you know, as one person or those wanting to get started uh, as a nonprofit and, you know, large um, post-secondary institutions uh, as well. That's wonderful. And Gene, you know, the, the, thing that, the thing that really intrigued me about you, you know, uh, there's a number of people that join uh, the various groups that we create, and the specific group that we met in was uh, the, the, the Nonprofit Leader Insiders group on Facebook. And you came in and immediately I saw your background and I, you know, as I always do for folks that come in, especially if they seem like consultants, I, I jump in and start asking a few questions. And um, I think you and I both know that in this industry, there's a lot of folks that read a book and start a consultancy. And yeah. So, <laughs> so, so I like to kind of qualify folks and know what kind of advice they would potentially be giving the people in our groups. And I, I loved your answers to the questions I was asking. Um, they really, for me, uh, provided me with insight into your experience and your expertise. So I, I want to thank you for, you know, for being willing to uh, to sit under the the swinging light bulb as I asked you these questions. <laughs> uh, not a problem. Happy to do it. <laughs> Well, Gina, you know, tell me a little bit about just, you know, you, you gave us a little intro about your background, but how did you get started in the nonprofit uh, sector? How did you uh, begin to to work with nonprofits and, and what, mo- how, what, what direction did that take from the beginning? Well, interestingly enough, it was more by happenstance. You know, when I graduated college, um, at, you know, I was graduated as a teacher. Uh, you know, teaching jobs were very, very far and few between, unlike today. And um, I managed to secure a teaching position a few hours from from my home, um, where I grew up in Ithaca, New York. But then, after a year, wanted to move closer to home. There still weren't the teaching jobs, <laughs> so I went into the nonprofit sector and used my degree in a different manner at that point. And then it sort of just evolved from there. Uh, and I was probably I think 27 years old, uh, and was offered my first uh, position as an executive director. At the time, in central New York, um, the American Cancer Society used to have a unit office, so a presence, in every county in New York State, and the state office was in Syracuse, which is about 30 miles from Cortland, where I got this directorship. 
And I actually applied for the position thinking, oh, I could do that, not really knowing all that was involved. <laughs> um, and fortunately, had a, you know, <clears throat> a tremendous mentor at the state office, you know, who, who helped me um, learn some of the ropes because I was still expected to raise, I think back then, and this was, of course, I'm dating myself in the 80s, um, 60 or $75,000 a year. And the office had not had an executive director for a significant number of months. Wow. So when that happens in a small organization, it was me and a part-time secretary who I had to hire. Uh, you know, volunteers kind of go away and, you yeah. know, the funding drives up. And that was when we still went door to door and asked mm-hmm. for donations um, for uh, the American Cancer Society. And I had to learn how to plan special events and how to do, you know, um, coordinate volunteers and how to understand bequests and planned giving and, and all of those sorts of things uh, that was a foreign language to me in the beginning, but it was a tremendous training ground for me. And then I kind of just catapulted from there. Yeah, that's that sounds and and what a tremendous just throwing you into the fire situation, right? Um, yeah. <laughs> you, you think about that if you wouldn't have been in that situation, if you wouldn't have been in the position and just kind of thrown into the fire like that, how long it would have probably taken to to learn the things that you learned. And then if you wouldn't have had that mentor, all the different ways you probably would have tried it before you figured it out. But you were just in that great situation where they put you in the pressure cooker, gave you the tools, gave you somebody to help you out, and you were able to thrive. Exactly. And they obviously saw something in me um, Mm -hmm. that led them to hire me at at such a young age with such a tremendous amount of responsibility. Um, Because there were a multitude of programs that they used to do uh, back then that kind of, you know, pulled themselves in a bit more than than they used to be at the American Cancer Society. Um, But... It was a way for me to learn the ropes kind of as I was going, but I wasn't completely by myself. And it taught me how fund development, it has to be, its hand has to be in every component of an organization. It cannot be standing out on its own, which often is what happens in many organizations. Well, you just go raise the money and we'll worry about the programming and, you know, um, services and, and whatever else it may be. And it can't. Fund development cannot act in that manner. It has to be integral into the every aspect of an organization. Now, is that something that you you realize a realization you came to through uh, through trial and error, or is that something that that your mentor was able to pass on to you? I think it's a combination of both, mm-hmm. but I also think it's a combination of my own personality and my own upbringing of being curious and asking questions and observing. And I'll give you a perfect example. When I worked um, at a a local hospital in the Office of Community Relations and Development, they did an annual appeal. I think they still do. Um, But they only sent it out to key number of people. And it's a county of a population of now about 100,000 people. Um, And I led the staff and physician component of that in addition to the, the other one. And we lived still within the county, but... Um, about 12 miles from the hospital, give or take. When I left that position, and we still lived in that house for a number of years, not once did I get a solicitation letter from that hospital to donate. And I gave birth to children at that hospital and worked there for seven years. So they only were, you know, Ithaca-centric as far as, well, we'll just ask the wealthy people to give us money, not understanding the complexity of 
who their consumers were of their services and how they could cultivate them. So it was a matter of me saying, wait a minute, this doesn't make sense. Um, but having them switch was, and I don't know if they have, was quite difficult because we was one of those, we've always done it this way, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And how difficult is that when an organization doesn't really take development and, and weave it into all the various pieces of what it does? It now isolates development into its own bucket. Now that's now has zero momentum. You, you have to sit there and constantly churn that wheel instead of moving it through the organization, still have some dedicated efforts to development, but, it, but weave the culture of development with, throughout the organization. Is that what you're saying? Exactly, because it's extremely difficult to raise funds in whatever venue, if you're talking about grant funding, if you're talking about planned giving, major gifts, you know, that type of thing, if you don't know what's truly going on within the organization. You know, I have a client now where I had to say, this is a youth um, program, said, you know, where do those kids go to school? Um, what is the age range of those kids that you're serving? You know, what is uh, some of the demographic information as opposed to, we just need X. You know, and and sometimes I have to say, well, how much does X cost? You know, right. um, it needs to be integrated within so there's a clear understanding because that's what funders and the funder can be an individual, could be a corporate support, it could be in kind, it could be a foundation or state or federal funding. Um, they want to know those details. Absolutely, capturing. You know, I was just talking with a, a, a an initiative. Uh, Rotary has a, a youth initiative that they. Um, they put together and the, it, the the numbers and the proof and the the statistics coming out of the activity that they're doing is just so staggering so outstanding it's a it's a charity that really truly has numbers metrics and proof um, mm -hmm. which is so important to put up front when you're when you're not only structuring your appeal but just in all of your communication the mission isn't just the mission anymore it's actually tangible evidence and it's and it's right. real traction so it's it's important there like you're saying you know to be able to pull those things understand your organization your mission and what and what, what deliverables you're you're putting out there so that development can be weaved in carefully and crafted into your your daily messaging exactly and and the same component of that also goes into if you were running you know, a regular business, mm -hmm. and and a, and a nonprofit is just a, a, a very simplest form is a differentiation in tax codes. Yeah. Um, and if if you were if you were an investor in a business, and they were going to say, well, if you give us a million dollars, and we're going to try to, you know, maybe I don't know, um, think about and plan, um, and maybe we'll come up with this great new invention. As an investor, you'd be kind of like. But how do I know you're not just going to waste my money? Exactly. Um, and so your point is is spot on, that there has to be some sort of measure, not to make busy work. You know, I, I've had to do New York State, you know, statistical reports that were 18 pages long. Um, but to measure to say, I could say of a program that I used to direct that statistically 100% of my kids graduate from high school as a dropout prevention pre-collegiate program on time. and. 62% of them went on to post-secondary education, and another percent, blah, 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 did. Phenomenal. Those are measurable. I Absolutely. can count the kids, you know, Absolutely. and the impact that it had. Not just say, well, you know, we did these activities, and, you know, the kids were happy. <laughs> it, it's not measurable. So the, the purpose of a nonprofit isn't just to have meetings? <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> 
I, 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 or just a process. Yeah, just a process. a just a process. Just a well, you know, I, I want to talk to you a little bit about that because you know, as we talked before before today's interview, a little bit about the different nonprofits and and kind of at the juncture where we find a lot of our clients, and um, and, and you know, one of the things I'd like to 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 really pick your brain about here that I know that folks will really relate to um, is about the real top concerns of nonprofits. And we know that they're at the top of the ladder of these concerns. Funding is always the top one um, in, in just about any survey that's it's done. Um, you know, followed very quickly with volunteer needs and uh, and board uh, board cohesiveness and and you know either the board's either micromanaging or they're not managing enough. Um, so board level type of management is important governance. Um, those types of things. But I, I want to get from you. I know what the leaders are are concerned about. What are your top concerns for nonprofits when you walk in? What What do you look at that might be maybe a little different than what they might be concerned with? Well, I think it really it goes with the, the top priority for many leaders or organizations, regardless of size pretty much, is that funding component. But I come at it from a different angle. I look at their ability for their funding sustainability. Mm. Too many nonprofits, small, medium, even large, ones I've worked for in full-time capacities and also as a consultant, rely on a single source funding, meaning they only rely on grants. Yeah. Um, and so then, and they rely on the same grant, or they're chasing the money, they're, they're reactive to their funding sources as opposed to being proactive mm-hmm. um, uh, in their funding sources. And I, if I had a dime for every time I said what I will say in a second, uh, you know, I, I could retire. Um, I cannot tell you how many nonprofits do not have an endowment. And I say to them, you can start an endowment with $25 and open a bank account. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we've we talked about that at our board meetings. We talked about that last year. We talked about that five years ago. Oh, yeah, we, we really need to do that. Open the account. Because there are a percentage of, of um, people who will donate, and it's overwhelmingly people who give to people. It's not grants, it's not foundations, it's not corporations, it's people um, who don't want to give to general operating, who don't want to give to buy the new bicycles or the trombones or, you know, the kickballs or whatever. Um, They will give to an endowment. And that's also how you build your major gifts program. And time after time after time, and these are organizations that have been in, you know, doing their work for 20, 30, 40, 50 years or more, still do not have an endowment. And that's how you know, there's revenues, there's grants, there's endowments, there's major gifts, there's planned giving. Um, they have to develop those, and they go hand in hand with their marketing strategy. And many of them don't, just like we talked about a minute ago. They set fund development. Just write some grants. That's all I want you to do. Just write some grants. You know, um, and it's far more than that. So I look at it from a different angle on how sustainable are you in your funding streams, and how diversified are you. Um, so that if something happens, which I've seen it happen, I, and I've had to negotiate with funders, for, you know, for nonprofits, and a funder will say, "I'm sorry, we, you know, we told you last year, three years ago, we were only going to fund you for this long, and you know, we're not going to fund you anymore. We believe in your program, but this is the limit, and they're out $150,000, and then they have to, or even less, and have to turn off the lights and lock the door." Yeah, absolutely, and, and you know, there and there, I, I find that there's two. This is a this is a, a such an important point that you're making, Jean, because 
so many times nonprofits, the, the leaders and the founders of nonprofits, they'll start a nonprofit for, for a project or for a specific idea. And so their interest is very short-sighted. They, they want to just fund the next project or fund the next component of their vision because at the beginning stages, buying a building seems like a huge deal. But in the mm-hmm. scope of the next 100 years that this nonprofit may be around, that, that's a very small piece of a very large puzzle, isn't it? Yeah. And so sustainability becomes so important because it's not really about your next project. It's about how many years and how many people and how many, how many lives you're going to touch over the entire lifetime of the nonprofit. And how do you approach it in a way where you can ensure the survival and continued support of your organization? But, you know, I also find that, too, it, it does tie together with the way that individuals are educated about finance. And so they approach the, the, the nonprofit a lot of ways like they approach their own finances. We're trying to just buy the next car. We're trying to fund the next thing instead of looking at a lifelong career, looking at a lifelong retirement plan, looking at the way that money operates and making money with money, uh, building investment income. And, and a lot of that is, is really what, what you're hitting the, the heart of is how do you create something that's sustainable, that's long-term and still funded in the short term? Exactly, and they're often robbing Peter to play, pay Paul and I, uh, came across an article just the other day. I don't remember the source, unfortunately, because I read so much. And I think it was Chronicle of Philanthropy, and it was about one of the biggest issues that, you know, it's hitting nonprofits is that they're not paying their payroll taxes Mm. Um, because the money comes in, oh, they need it over here, and they're moving it that way, and they have to, you know, and so then it comes due, and they're like, "Uh uh-oh, you know, we, we don't have that. Um, so they just, you know, okay, well, we'll deal with that later. We'll put that in the back closet. You know, we won't deal with that. And that so many of these, particularly small to medium-sized nonprofits, are just not, their idea is great, you know, their, what they want to do is great, but they also often try to operate in isolation yeah. in the fact that what else is going on in their community and how can they um, collaborate with other community members who have like or shared services or have, you know, can their population can benefit from what this new or whatever small organization might be doing. And so they think they're the only ones, you know, who've ever thought of this. Mm. Um, and then they get themselves fiscally into trouble. And yes. so then programs start dropping or staff starts getting laid off um, or they cut their hours or whatever it may be. And pretty soon, you know, um, they close up shop. And I know for me, you know, 20 years ago, I was a director of youth services at a community action program. And this wasn't our fault, but we applied for our federal award, which we had gotten in previous cycles. And Cortland County, New York, is a rural county. I tell people there used to be more dairy cows than people. (laughs) (laughs) And um, there are now only 48,000 people in the entire county. Um, But it was a categorical federal grant from Department of Health and Human Services. And so the population of New York State had um, gone down. This was, you know, in the 90s. And so all the urban areas in New York, Syracuse, Buffalo, New York City, Rochester, Albany, got their funding. And we did not, even though we scored high enough to receive our funding. And that then, you know, was part of our state funding, you know, trickle all down. 
That was 20-some years ago, and this county, and I live in Cortland County, still does not have a runaway homeless youth program 20 years later. Wow. So the community still hasn't gotten together, and there, you know, there's the typical Catholic charities and family services, and you know, and the community action program is still there, but they're so busy with so many other things, and and you know, being reactive to their funding sources, and not looking beyond their borders to say, how can we come together, and work together with members of our community who are not in the nonprofit world to say, let's work together to make this community a better place to live for all, yeah. uh, as opposed to just being out there on, well, so-and-so is on Main Street, and so-and-so is on First Street, and so-and-so is on whatever, and that's the, only the population they serve. They're still all members. And so I've said for, you know, most of my entire career, human services, this is about community development. At the bottom line, it's all about community development. It really is. And, yeah. It really, really is. and. What, what do you feel in, in, in your experience, what do you feel is the, when you, when you approach a new client, when you approach a nonprofit that you've met, what do you feel the real telltale signs? Maybe if you can maybe give three that really help you identify whether or not this organization is probably a healthy nonprofit. Well, I think the first, um, which is pretty encompassing, is, is uh, to put bluntly how panicked they are about having to raise money, mm-hmm. um, and uh, you know how they they think. Well, if you just do this, then in 30 days we'll have a hundred thousand dollars. You know, <laughs> and not planning that that out, um, and and also that like I talked earlier about the diversification of their funding and the stability mm-hmm. of their funding and that sustainability of it and that they've relied on so few sources of funding throughout their 5, 10, 20 year or more history and stuff. Um, and, and I think the second is kind of coupled with that, like I mentioned, is that they keep chasing that money. So, well, if we just create this program, then we can hire some more people and then we'll get that X amount of grant funding, um, then we'll be okay because we can, you know, spread the directors, 10% of the directors, executive directors' time, and the, you know, CFO, and you know, blah 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 type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think the third is is that in that, and it's all kind of interconnected, is then they spread themselves too thin. Um, so I, you know, I do work for an organization right now called 21st Century Facts. It's new. It's, it's exactly what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. You know, started by an individual. And um, they want to be all to end all. You know, yeah. they list 52 things that they want to, you know, bring up as issues. And in a recent board meeting, just for me to say, okay, let's choose three issues that we're going to focus on as an organization in 2018. You know, so just getting them to narrow down, and then they'd say, board would say, healthcare. You know, because the organization is about um, promoting, uh, using media and social media to promote factual information about certain topics with all the fake news out there and still having them understand, you know, like benchmarks and measurables and engaging the community. And so when, you know, the word healthcare went out there, I said, what component of healthcare? <laughs> you know, that's pretty broad. Yeah. And so that's what nonprofits get to do. Well, we'll pick up this program. Well, we'll pick up this program. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll get into, you know, it'd be like the, you know, the Mexican restaurant suddenly deciding to serve also Chinese and Italian and, <laughs> you know, Colombian uh, type of cuisine just because they weren't getting enough people through their door, even though they didn't necessarily that fit their theme 
that they've never cooked Italian food, but we're going to offer it anyway. Yeah, exactly. You know? there is because a, there's money out there for that. Of, <laughs> of course, and that's what we need tomorrow, right? We need that money tomorrow exactly. because we, we, you know, if we we're going to close our door doing that thing that we actually open to do. I, and I think right. I think that 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 is that is so key. Um, you know, even in business, you know, typically where you see mistakes made is when folks try to do too many things, try to be too many things to too many people. And so you end up either having to spend billions of dollars to attract a very, very broad audience uh, or you just end up going broke. And so the idea here is learn how to do one thing right. In, in, with, with, in the nonprofit world, I, I like to modify that a little and say learn how to, how to show one set of results first. Show us what you can do. Show us that you can actually meet that core need that you were started to meet and then expand from that and be careful to continue that same thread, that same culture and that same result set. Leverage what you're doing rather than spreading it through too thin. Exactly. And make it understandable, you know, to the, the common person. You know, when yeah. I often when I write my much larger um, grants and I've written, you know, federal grants for many of the um, departments down there and you know, state and private corporations, I would actually hand, you know, close to my final draft to my husband, who's an IT guy, doesn't know anything about funding, nonprofits, except for what he's maybe gleaned after 27 years of marriage. And I'd say, please read this. And does this make sense of what we're trying to say and accomplish? And sometimes he would come back and say, wait, I'm confused about this. So that if, you know, somebody dropped from Mars, as we used to say, and couldn't understand your application or your solicitation or whatever, then how do you expect them to want to invest their money, time, you know, whatever, into your organization? It may, you may think it's fabulous. You may think it's the best idea ever to help, you know, the little squirrel that, you know, might be going extinct. Not everybody else might because they don't understand it. That is and that's such... where I think a lot of nonprofits don't do a great job in really saying what they do and as you said earlier how what they do and the investment from um, individuals or funders makes an impact that um, and that so makes important. the world better isn't that what we want you know we used to say you know when I started so many moons ago um, we hope to put ourselves out of business in human resources mm -hmm. well I'm still here and <laughs> so are mm -hmm. a lot of the veterans who have been around for a very long time because we're not. We're not putting ourselves out of business. But are we making a difference? And that's sort of, you know, a real barometer. If, if you know, those people who will be listening to this, if they go out and ask, quote, the everyman in their community, do you know, and ask them, do you know what whatever their said organization is, do you know what we do in this community and what mm -hmm. an impact we have? And they might be surprised how many people do not know. So important. So important. There is a language of the community and then there is an internal language right and it's it's very different from organization to organization and then there's a funding language that's common among nonprofits and for mm -hmm. me I, I find it I find it fascinating that for most nonprofits they don't really know when to use what language so they start using funding language to the public or they use internal tech speak if I could say that that phrase to the public and then you know internally they don't even understand the language of funding and so mm -hmm. 
I think it's so important that nonprofits do understand that guys you have you have your message out to the public you have the plain man speak the 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 very uh, very itemized and understandable uh, message that you want to put out but then internally you're going to have your own process language your own acronyms the, your own way to talk and way to refer to things you just have to make sure you understand the difference between those things and for many of you that have nonprofits and are really at the starting phase and not a lot of experience and not not a mentor like what Gene had to teach you what all the different uh, pieces of, of funding language are like planned giving and endowments and bequests and those things, that's another language you've got to pick up. And it's not so much you've got to pick up the words, you've got to pick up what those words mean because they're critical Correct. to you and you're missing something. You know, there's also in a community, I love this communication strategy. When you take something, you take a, a, a need um, that someone has, let's say a community has, and you identify it's, you know, it's, it's the hell heaven type of scenario where you're defining the hell, you're defining the, the problem and the depth of the problem and all of its even peripheral consequences. And then you're defining what does it look like? There's now the heaven. What does it look like when those problems are solved? What is what is life like? What are the advantages? What are the peripheral advantages? And now your nonprofit is the prescription on getting from the hell to the heaven. So whatever that is, whether it's the three point strategy or it's your eight week course or it's your, you know, one year, you know, uh, study. But it's it's the, the nonprofit is presumably the bridge between the hell, the problems that are happening, and the heaven, what it looks like when the problem is solved. Gene, would you agree with that? I would agree with that. And that also in you know, by communicating that to the public, then the public also starts to see within their community or communities that they serve that nonprofits aren't just there for a handout, always there to say, please give us money because um, and so, you know, one of the things many years ago, again, when I was at the Community Action Program, <clears throat> one of the programs I was responsible for was, again, the Runaway and Homeless Program. And I uh, actually was able to get just that program, not the whole agency, to be a United Way member, which is pretty unique. Um, and at that time, that's when United Way was going through all these metrics and, oh, it was just incredibly complicated. And I sat there in front of the application for a little bit and said, okay, I'm overthinking this. Like, I had to fill this out for us to get our, I don't know, ten or $20,000, I don't remember. And then it sort of dawned on me, like, if I'm helping these children, um, what is it that we want for them? And so it was like, it just, the light bulb went on. We want a safe place an environment for them to live. Mm -hmm. We want them to have healthy relationships, <laughs> you know, as opposed to, you know, two times a week they would be seen by a case manager and blah, exactly. blah, blah. Exactly. That, that's process. That is process. That's not outcome. And I think that's what people get confused when they look at grant applications and they think, oh, well, we'll just say that we'll be, they'll count beings, B-E-A-N-S, not beings, and right. what impact that has on those beings. Um, and, you know, I've had to do those statistical reports, but they, many who work on funding sources, and they even put it in their letters or, you know, social media posts to, to donate, they still think of those beans, you know. Well, if you give, you can have 52, you know, meals given or whatever. But what do those meals mean? Exactly. What does that mean to those families in that community? And that's exactly. where that next step has to come. 
um, you know, for it. And so I think that that integration is so critically important for nonprofits, not only now, but particularly now with tax reform and how people are going to donate and our younger generations of donors. Yeah. They want to see impact. They're not just going to write the check like grandma did um, because they want to know why. They want to get involved. And that's, I saw a huge shift in giving at Katrina. Hurricane Katrina oh, yeah. was a watershed moment Absolutely. because that's where people could give online through their phone. They could get updates. They could do whatever. It was brilliant of the American Red Cross. <laughs> Absolutely brilliant. Um, and so that's where on the local level and on the regional level, that's where you want to talk to young, younger people, you know, millennials. I, I have a millennial. You know, my daughter is of that group. And they don't just, they want to, they're a little more leery of organizations. And they yeah. want to know the whys. And they want to know, you know, what difference does my money make, no matter how big or small. And, and value of your organization is defined if you take the heaven, you subtract the hell, the difference in between is the value, it's not the process. So you could literally change that process, refine the process, remove steps, that's not the value of your organization. The work is not the value, it's that progress. Can we really get a condition, a people, a situation from one place to a place that is better because you did something? And that, that value between is the value of the organization and its mission. Gene, I want to ask you one more thing um, here as, sure. we, as we wrap up. Tell me a little bit about, because my company, what we do is we're an agency that works with nonprofits, and what we try to do is come alongside of them and help them to establish an entire presence. You know, a lot of times organizations, they, you know, they kind of put websites next to business card and logo, and they just kind of check it off. Yep, we got a website, got one of those, and not <laughs> yeah. realizing that there's no such thing as getting a website. You, this is an ongoing, living, breathing breathing not even a document it's a it's uh -huh. it's your it's your headquarters and it's your international presence and you're always really evolving it changing it and uh, and making it more of what you need and then there's so many nowadays so many components to that everything from email all the way to social media um, all the way to uh, to advertising online and Google's grant program and so many different things, so many pieces to it. What we try to do is come alongside of organizations to help them to establish their presence entirely so that all the pieces are in place, the machine is actually moving for them, and they can go focus on what they actually do as a nonprofit. They don't have to go around and play too much with the website. They can just have that all in place. And, and moving forward, they have a team to help support them. I'd like to know what you've seen over the last, obviously, two decades. We've seen nonprofits really move into uh, online strategies. We've seen the digital has become much more meaningful and, and important to the, the nonprofit sector. Give me your two cents on digital websites, social media, email, all that stuff. What do you see as, as the place of that in today's nonprofit world? I think it's critically important, um, but also in that same realm, that it has the right messaging and you don't, you know, fatigue your, your audience um, as well. And it's, we are, even now, you know, my daughter is 24 and she's astounded even within her lifetime, the explosion of instant news. You know, and that can be social media posts, that can be real news worldwide. You know, we know in a millisecond 
what is happening around the world if we choose yeah. to engage. Um, and so our messages also get buried um, very quickly. Yes, they do. And so um, it's, while it's a constant thing, there's a fine line on being too obnoxious. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and, you know, I, I've even used, you know, on my personal Facebook page that pause somebody for 30 days <laughs> because, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. it's just been a bit too much. But with that uh, component, it, it is a vital tool now. It is a tool of communication for um, many, you know, hundreds of millions of people. But we can't forget some of, um, you know, our older generations. I'm a baby boomer. You know, my mother's still alive in her 80s who, you know, still picks up the paper and reads the paper. Yeah. And what sort of avenue can we use in conjunction? It has to be along a spectrum so that we don't, miss out on educating all of our of our people who want to get involved in whatever capacity. Um, but with social media, we have a great, uh, and technology, we have a great platform. And you are, you are absolutely right. People put up a website and they think that's it. That's all we have to do. Never even check it, you know, um, for a nonprofit. And don't make it hard to, to navigate. And that turns people off. Um, and we have, I think that in building an organization and building their technology and their social presence, they need to be cognizant of who their audience is. Not only those that might be potential donors or who may volunteer their time, but also those people who may benefit from their services. Gene, that's that's really um, insightful. It, it's powerful what you're saying. Messaging really being, a, and, and what I would add is positioning. Uh, learning how to do that. I think multi-channel strategies are really important. So, you know, it used to be really important that you had your website together. Now it's more important that you kind of get your website going, put the pieces in place, but marry that with all the other pieces. So like, for example, social media, for example, email, for example, using things like mass phone calls. Um, all those pieces can be laid over each other to create a really comprehensive communication strategy. And at the end of the day, that's really what the internet is really used for in the life of a nonprofit. It is a communication tool. And it is one of, as you've alluded to, many different tools. Uh, geez, we can still get out in our cars, go to a neighborhood and knock on doors too, you know. So there's, mm -hmm. there's so many things that we can do with the internet. What we've realized over time is that the best strategies really do combine all the different components and social really being although it can be really powerful sometimes it's actually the least powerful of the tool set that the internet gives you uh, we, we uh -huh. started uh, I started the the Tampa Bay Society of Photographic Artists a nonprofit uh, out here in our area and within a year we have 400 members and we did that exclusively online um, we have real meetings. We've done more art shows in, than any other group in the state of Florida in just the last uh, uh, two years. Uh, it, it's been a tremendous journey, but a lot of it was done uh, purely on the internet, purely using Facebook groups, using email, using a great website that then really brought in people into our mailing list. So we were able to send out emails. We'll pack a meeting if we send the, the, the notifications by email, by phone, by, by Facebook. But when we don't do it, we see the result. Four people show up at a meeting versus packing a room um, just right. because we use technology versus not. So it's it, what you're saying is so important. It's that messaging, it's that positioning, but it's also leveraging the right technologies and the right channels to reach the right audience and knowing who that audience is. 
Right, and being respectful of that audience um, in that they may not be able to, you know, um, what's the phrase, they may not be able to be there at all times, but they still want to be informed. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so they may not be able to engage every single time, um, but they still want to be kept abreast of things. And that's even some simple things, like with a website, and, and there's millions of them like them for nonprofits, and you go to donate, and it takes you off their, the organization's website, takes you to PayPal. Yeah. It doesn't route you back. Yeah. You know, there's no way to, you know, and people won't typically sign up for the newsletters or email blasts or whatever, just like how we're doing. Yeah. Um, so they, they have forgotten their donor. And in fact, I was on a website today and there was a pop-up. I was doing some research and it's, it was just a short little survey. Are you a regular donor? Are you an occasional donor? Are you a first-time donor? Click the box. Yep. And they said this, they were saying, we were just trying to get some information to help us better serve you. Yeah. Brilliant. Yes. Brilliant. That, that is, you that know. is. Little things like that, you know, there's so there's some foundational things that every nonprofit can put in place, and then there's there are tactics like that. Um, there's things you can build on, and you're always going to be building on things. You're always going to be thinking about new ideas, and there's always going to be new approaches and 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 things that'll augment your strategy. Gene, you you've been really wonderful to have on today. I really appreciate you. your experience and and sharing your expertise here for free with us. Let's uh, let's go ahead and just kind of wrap up. Tell us how somebody could contact you if they need to. The easiest way, we're right in the process of revamping all of our outreach stuff, but um, uh, my phone number is 607-849-4194. Um, and I, I have worked with not-for-profits you know, across the country. Um, at the moment, I will give my personal email, which is gene, J-E-A-N, at classic, C-L-A-S-S-I-C, sport, S-P-O-R-T, horses, plural, dot com. We have a large horse farm. Um, and then we are redeveloping our web presence and Facebook and all that, so we've taken it down um, at the moment. But what I focus on is, you know, kind of the step beyond that, that you do. I, you know, I look at an organization, and I've done so many, you know, having been an administrator, program aspects of it and marketing aspects of it and how that relates to funding and funding sustainability is I'm, you know, knee deep in it. Um, and I ask those tough questions um, so that they can say, well, you know, we need to, well, then let's make the plan. Absolutely. Um, so mine is that action oriented to the nuts and bolts of the workings um, of an organization and how you raise those funds so that that organization can continue to make an impact in a in a community. Well, Gene, I thank you so much for what you do for the nonprofit uh, sector. I hope uh, wish you a lot of success. I know you've got some years ahead of you to really make some impact, and uh, hope to have the same level of impact that you've had in your career. Thank you so much. All right, thank you. All right, have a wonderful day. Thanks you too. All bye -bye. right, bye bye. All right, folks, that's been today's podcast episode, a little bit longer than uh, than the other ones, but I uh, wanted to make sure that you got as much value as possible from today. Uh, if you have any questions, send us an email, go to nonprofitwebsites.com, call Gene up, get some help, but make sure that you move forward with the information that you've learned. Uh, hopefully you've written some things down to go research, but you know what, now is the time to get your nonprofit moving and make an impact for your community. Thank you so much for being on our broadcast. I look forward to seeing you on the next one.
Hey, thanks for tuning into today's episode of the Smart Nonprofit Masterclass. It's been a great episode, and I hope that it challenged you in some way and provided you with some tools to build, advance, and market your nonprofit. But before you go on your day, uh, I want to tell you about a free resource. Are you the nonprofit leader who wants to raise money for your cause, get the message out, inspire and engage your board, increase the influence of your organization? Maybe you want to attract talented staff and volunteers or keep your supporters better informed about your wins. Maybe you even want to just establish a great reputation in your service area and in your industry. But you find that you lack the funding you need, you don't really know where to go next. Maybe you're even scared of running out of money and resources before your mission is successful. Well, we completely understand your fight and how important your mission is to this world. We've worked with over 60,000 nonprofits around the world for the last 15 years, learning about how to build, advance, and market their organizations using the internet. We have a proven success formula that we've put together, and it helps organizations accomplish their mission, get more funding, find the right donors and volunteers, and ultimately get their message out around the world about what they're doing. So they don't have to shut down, suffer from insufficient funding, uh, attract unreliable people, or ultimately fail their mission. We've got a free checklist for each phase of our formula, which we lovingly call BAM, and they're available right now at nonprofitwebsites.com. So go download what thousands of other nonprofits have already started using uh, to become the organization that they've always really strived to be, and it's 100% free, so you can't lose. Anyway, thank you for listening, and have a wonderful rest of your day. See you next time.